Welcome to the Family Worship Center podcast. Each week, we bring you our message from our Sunday morning services at Family Worship Center in Beaumont. We got to get ourselves in a position where we want to be surrounded by the world, where we don't want to see it, where we don't want to ignore the circumstances that line up and say A, B, or C. Instead, we're going to say, God, have faith. Wait for the door that you open. We hope you find this message encouraging. Good morning, y'all. We're going to talk about clarity this morning. Is that okay? Uh, before we get started, I want to say uh, thank you to Pastor Philip and Angie for giving me this opportunity. Um, I'm always grateful when I get the chance to step up here and share something with you guys. And um, it's always going to be just what the Lord has been working out in me. Anytime I, I get this opportunity, I'm just going to bring forth what I've been going through or what I've been learning about. Um, I'm not a Bible teacher. I didn't go to Bible school. So I just kind of share with you what God's been sharing with me. So I'm grateful for the opportunity this morning. Uh, if any of you guys were here back uh, the last time I had the opportunity to speak, which was Memorial Day, um, if you were here for that sermon, you'll know that I spoke about the idea that your destination determines your drive time. And I gave the analogy of uh, going on a, a vacation. If you're leaving from southeast Texas to go on a long weekend, like a four-day type vacation, I told you guys in my mind there's basically two options. You can go northeast to Chattanooga, Tennessee, about a nine-hour drive. Or you can go due east to Destin, Florida, about a nine-hour drive. And the idea was, in the sermon back then, was where you're going determines how long it takes you to get there. Because... How many know a nine-hour drive between here and Chattanooga has a lot of stops? And not just gas stations, but you're going to stop at you know, historical markers and things like that. And then when you get to Chattanooga, there's a lot of different things to do in Chattanooga. It's not like one big thing. So you're going to do this, and then this this afternoon, and the next day. But when you go to Destin, toes in the sand, there's only one goal, right? You pass every Bucky's. Wait a minute. Is there even a Bucky's between Beaumont? Okay. There you go. That is scientific evidence and proof right there. Your destination determines your drive time. That was what I talked about back at Memorial Day. Um, and when I get these opportunities to speak, I get the chance to work up something over a couple of weeks. Not like our pastor here who has to deliver something every single Sunday, and he doesn't have a team of writers. He does that all himself. I get the chance to work it out. So the ideas that I have, I work out on my coworkers and my friends. I try to bounce. I just want to see if what I'm throwing is, is sticking. You know what I'm saying? So as I was working on this idea, your destination determines your drive, Chattanooga, Destin, Florida. Um, one evening at the house, I walked into the room where my wife Erin was sitting, and with no context, I launched into this analogy. No context, because I want to see how she responds to it. I want to see if this idea works. So I just walked in the room, and I just started talking about Now, remember, this is preparing. This is two weeks before Memorial Day. This is the end of spring, <clears throat> and Erin works in the school system. So the end of spring, coming of summer is a big deal to those people. You know what I'm talking about? I just walk into the room where she is, and I just launch into this whole analogy about, you know, in my mind, if you're going for a four-day vacation, there's no place better than Destin, Florida. And da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And I begin to say, your destination determines your drive and how you're going to get, and you're going to go straight there because you want toes in the sand as soon as possible. And she, guys, she was loving every word of it. I mean, she was looking at me with this, just the biggest smile. and she, Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I'm telling her, your destination determines your drive. And I'm thinking to myself, I am getting ready to preach literally the greatest sermon ever preached by a human man. She is eating it up, y'all. And so I go on and I go on and I get about halfway into this perfect analogy 
and her countenance completely changes. And it goes from joy and elation to disappointment for a second and then pure anger. And as I'm getting ready to drive home and ask her if she wants to give her heart to Jesus, she stops me mid-sentence. She says, excuse me, are we going to Destin or are you working on a sermon? <laughs> uh, well, <clears throat> no, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm working on a sermon. Busted. So I tell you guys, I tell you that to let you know that needless to say, I didn't work any of this material out. This is all, you guys are, I'm not, right? So uh, bear with me, the jokes may not land this morning. Um, but hey, Galveston was fun this year. It really was. It was a good time for me and my whole family. I'm going to take a drink real quick. I apologize for the Johnny Cash voice. Um, seriously, though, as I was getting ready to prepare this message, when I would sit down and start to work on it, mentally, I just felt like there was nothing there, like, um, like in a dry season, creative, creative, creatively, speakively. And, and I just, nothing was coming to me. And I would then pray, like, God, I need clarity for this message. But I got so much stuff going on in my personal life, uh, at my job, we're, making it, we're in the middle of a transition this year, and things going on with the church, getting ready for the Christmas program and trunk or treat and all this stuff, I'm trying to get ready. And I just, I would pray, God, I feel like I'm in a cloud, like I can't see what's going on. And I, I prayed, God, I need clarity. I feel like I'm in a cloud. And nothing. I'll tell you guys, and Philip can attest to this, um, at one of our breakfast meetings, he, he brought up, hey, it's been a while since you've brought a message. Would you like to? And, you know, that had been stirring in my spirit or gut, whatever you want to call it, for weeks. Like, man, I just, I really feel like I need to, you know, that's just how I feel. He brought it up. I said, yes, let me pray about it, because that's what you said. Yes, I'll pray about it, in that order. The following week, did you pray about it? Yes, I did. He said, great. What are you going to speak about? I said, I have no idea. I, I know. I, I, I'm supposed to be. I, I don't know. And I began to dig, and I began to study, and I began to try, and I just couldn't find anything. So I did what I would imagine every preacher at one time has done. Is I just went to the back of the Bible, and I looked up the words clouds. And I started reading scripture verses about clouds. And I began to see something. I began to see how it was all tying together. And so that's why this morning we're going to talk about the clarity in the clouds. There is clarity in those clouds. So before we get started, guys, I need you to understand that, that vision and sight are not the same. Do we, all, do we all get that concept in this building this morning? Like what you see with your eyes is limited by the physical, but what you see when your eyes are closed, the vision that God gives to you is not limited because it comes from God. So as we move forward this morning, keep that in mind, that we're not talking about sight because if we begin to depend on our sight, we begin to depend on ourselves. But that's not where God wants us. He wants us always dependent on him. So we're going to talk about vision this morning. And uh, we're going to go to Exodus chapter 13. Chapter 13 and verse 17, this is where, give you a little backup, a little context. God has called a man, Moses, out of his wilderness and sent him back to his people. And God sent Moses with this message. Moses, go to Pharaoh. And tell Pharaoh, I, God, said, let my people go. And when you tell him, I, God, will harden Moses, Pharaoh's heart and cause him to say no, then I, God, will punish Pharaoh and his people for their disobedience. And it will happen again and again. God told Moses, going in, this is what's going to happen when you go before Pharaoh. And I'm going to harden his heart and he's going to say no. But you're going to go ask anyway. And finally, after all that happened, Pharaoh did finally say, get your people and get out. But it wasn't just that. God told Moses, when that does happen, 
I'm going to cause the people of Egypt to look favorably upon you. And on your way out, ask them for all their money. And they're going to give it to you. Ask them for all their jewelry and all their gold. They're going to give it to you. So this did happen. Pharaoh told Moses, get your people, get God's people, get out of here. They packed their stuff. They ate a good meal before they left. And on the way out, they said, can we have all your money? And the Egyptians said, yes. So this army of God's people, former slaves, left. And they left full, and they left rich, and they were prepared to go to a land that God had promised them. They were so excited, they even called it the promised land. And they knew where this land was on a map. Like Maybe they couldn't see it with their eyes, because it was a ways off, but they knew, physically, they knew where they were going. Now we pick it up in chapter 13, verse 17. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. I'm sorry. I watched the YouTube videos about how to preach a sermon, and I know I'm supposed to read the scripture and then pray and then break the scripture down. But before we go any further, we got to see what's happening here this morning. God did not allow them to go the most logical way. God did not send them on the straight path. God would not allow them to go on the path that was on the map, the path that they could see with their eyes. It was God who sent them around. Has everybody got that? Okay, here we go. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God, who did not? God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory. Even though that was the shortest route to the promised land, God said, if the people are faced with a battle now, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to speak to everyone. I ask that you would open our ears and open our hearts and that these next few minutes would be good for us and that we would glorify you in the end. And it's in your sweet son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we need clarity. And we need to understand that God is setting the direction for us. Okay? How many of you guys have ever, and I know we all have, like been in a vehicle with a backseat driver? Right? Oh, okay, I see some fingers pointing. I did, that was uncalled for. I'm not going to call any names, but that was uncalled for. But we all have that friend, correct? And there's people in our lives that you know, like they're just, not just in a car, but like their life, they're a backseat driver. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all, I have a sister-in-law, okay? She's not here. She's not here. I have a sister-in-law. I have never, mom and dad, this stays in here. I have never been in a vehicle with this woman, and I know she's a backseat driver. You know what I'm talking about? You know those kind of people? Or how about this? My best friend growing up, we were like from 13 on, thick as thieves. We were buddies, tight. I talk about him all the time. I got my driver's license when I was 16. He got his driver's license when he was 18. So that meant that as best buds, for two years, everywhere we went, I took us there. I drove everywhere. And for two years, I know you all have a friend like this. For two years, he told me how I was driving wrong. He told me I was going the wrong way. He told me I wasn't obeying the laws of traffic. And it's like, man, you don't know. You didn't pass a driver's test. You don't know where you're going. It's funny. But that's exactly how we treat God. When we, we make a commitment to give our lives to Jesus, and what do we say? Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, you're driving. Here we go. Let's, well, Jesus, no, we don't need to get off here. Why is your turn signal on? No, no, Jesus, you don't understand. The path to the career that I need is this way, Jesus. No, no, that relationship that I'm looking for, I need to go this way to get in that relationship. Or that university, i got to make these grades to get into this school so that I can do this for you, of course, Jesus, but stay on the road that I've selected. And that's not what God wants us to do. 
So we're going to see that he puts us in situations that make us depend, not the sight that we have with our eyes, but the vision that he gives us. Do y'all believe that? Good, I do too. So um, point number one then is that our detour is designed. See, God set the children of Israel, his children, free from their captive. He set them free from a man that wanted to keep them, but didn't want to kill them. Y'all understand that, right? I mean, they were slaves. Pharaoh needed these people. And later on, we'll see that he kind of flipped out about that. But at this point, he necessarily didn't have ill will towards... I mean, he wasn't a good person. He didn't treat them well. But he wanted all the young men to be healthy, obviously. Correct? Well, God set them free from that. And as they begin to go, they see the path. And God says, no, we got to go around because between here and there is the Philistines. Now, I believe, Zach talking... This is not in the history books and this is not in the Bible. But I believe that at this point in world history, the Philistines were aware of what had been going on in Egypt. Egypt was a world power back then, before there was really a thing, such a thing as world powers. And I believe that the Philistines had heard word of what had been going on. And then they finally got the message that Pharaoh had flipped his lid and let all these slaves go. And they maybe even got the word that the Egyptians gave all their money to these slaves as they were leaving. So these Philistines had to be geared up for war because they probably saw this opportunity. If we're ever going to take down Egypt, now is our time. They were geared up for a battle and they were ready to go in heavy. Meanwhile, the children of Israel just want to get to the promised land. And God says, we got to go around because you don't have enough faith yet. You have faith that I will deliver you because I have. But blessed is he who is not seen but believes. You don't have enough faith to go into a battle with someone who wants to kill you. A true enemy that wants to kill you. God's going to teach them. They've got to have faith. So he takes them around. And how does he lead them? How does he guide his children through this wilderness and on this journey? With a cloud. He guides them with a cloud. And the Bible calls it a pillar of cloud. Like not a cloud in the sky, but a cloud that comes down from the sky to the ground. And it goes out ahead of them. And they follow it. And at night, the cloud is engulfed in flames, and a flame that shoots up guides them. The Bible tells us they could travel during the day or the night as God saw fit, because it would light the way. God led them with a cloud. But how many of you know you can't see through a cloud? God put them in a position where they were following, but could not see where they were going. I think it's important for us to grasp that, that it's faith eyes that you've got to see with. Not the sight that you have with your eyes, but the vision that God gives you. That you've got to step out and move forward. And even though you think the best way to go is this way, God knows that there is a battle there that you aren't prepared for, and he's going to teach you faith. He's like a loving father guiding you along, telling you when the training wheels are going to come off. You know what I mean? He knows when you're ready, and he's going to push you and put you in situations to where you will be ready in his timing, when he's ready for you to be ready. So he guides them with a cloud, a way that you can't see through, a way that you can't see past. And at night, he guides them with a fire. You can't see past the fire either. Have you ever tried to use a candle as a flashlight? Have you ever tried that? Or maybe not just a candle because that's a dim light, maybe a stick that's burning or a legit torch to use it to light. If I was to use a torch to try to see what's, what, what it says on the front of this speaker, that torch would illuminate the speaker, yes, but it would also be shining back in my what? Eyes, blinding me. Again, you've got to step out in faith and follow that pillar of fire not knowing what's on the other side of it. 
This is important for us to grasp. That the faith, the journey, it's eyes on God. You know, speaking of candles. She's saying no. My wife and I were at the mall the other day. Okay. And we went into the candle store. And like big sign as you're walking into the store. Two candles for $50 today only. Like What? I'm supposed to be excited about this? $50 for two candles? This is a real thing, y'all. Do you realize that at the time in our history when people used candles to light their house, $50 was a year's wage? I mean, think about that for a second. A man would choose a career as a trapper, and what would he do? He would leave his home, his wife and children in the cabin, and he would go up into the mountains for nine months. He would live out in the wilderness of the mountains for nine months, trapping animals and skinning the fur off and putting their pelts on his back and carrying the pelts of these dead animals on his back, living out in the wilderness, no shelter, no food, for nine months, and he would come back to town after nine months of long, harsh winter, and he would go to the town outpost, and he would trade in all that work, all those pelts, for what? Fifty bucks. He said, okay, I got a couple months off. I'm going to go home. It's getting dark. I'm going to go home and enjoy the night with my family. And he walks in the door, and he notices that it's dark in the house, and his wife says, we're out of candles. Can I have fifty bucks? I told y'all. I told you that was a good joke. I've been working on that one for about a month. <clears throat> okay, uh, let, me, let me get one more point and then we're going to get out of here, okay? Um, in John 10, 27, Jesus says that my sheep know my voice. As I was working out this message, um, the idea that, hey, we've got we to focus on God. We gotta, it's important for our prayer time. It's important for our Bible time. We've got to know that voice of Jesus. To have the faith to follow a cloud that we can't see past, we've got to know that voice of Jesus. And so, I, I said, man, there's that, I, know there, I know there's that scripture in the New Testament, my sheep know my voice. And I ended up in John 27, and he kind of says it, but it's not the version that we all know. That's a different gospel, and I don't even know which one it is. I, 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 I got off on this and got drug in. It was amazing. Jesus is calling himself the good shepherd, and he does say that his sheep know his voice. And I do want to make that point. That, that we need to be in the time of quiet time, in the time of prayer, and in the time of Bible reading so that we begin to recognize that voice of God. But a little bit before that in John 10, 4, Jesus describing himself as a shepherd says this. He says, I go out ahead of my sheep, and my sheep follow me. My last point today is that we are surrounded. See, every commentary that I read as I was preparing this lesson told me that that cloud represented Jesus. The cloud is a representation of Jesus. I told y'all in the beginning I didn't go to Bible school, Bible college, so I'm probably wrong about this, but you know what I noticed as I was reading? In Exodus 14, 19, when God leads the children around the wrong way and he pins them against the sea and their enemy comes up behind them, who do we see that appears in that moment? Not referenced at any time before as this journey. They're following a cloud. They're following a cloud. The cloud goes out over the sea. It pins them against the sea. The enemy is now coming behind them. They're trapped. They're in the worst tactical situation possible for people that are supposed to be escaping slavery. And the Bible tells us that the angel of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. The angel of God, Jesus himself, just like he told us in John 10, moved around to the rear of the camp and the cloud followed him. And what happened? That cloud set up 
right there and the Egyptians couldn't see the Israelites and the Israelites couldn't see the Egyptians. There was a battle that they weren't ready for, but God said, today you will see this. You will see that I will deliver you from the enemy that wants to kill you. Yeah, amen. That's right. Let's give God a big hand clap for that. So know this. The situations that you are facing in your life, God doesn't put bad things on any of us. Never has. He can't. Because if he did it, it would automatically become a good thing. He's God. But the enemy, man, the enemy tries and tries and tries to attack us. And he tries to trip us up. The enemy hates us because God loves us so much and he's jealous. And when those situations come, every time, God is going to protect you. God is going to move around from where he was leading you. And when you think all hope is lost, he's going to move behind you. And your enemy is going to be stopped. And God will make a way through the oceans. Amen. Hey, I want to pray with you guys this morning. Because there's a lot more going on on this page right here. And we'll, we'll get to that another time, I'm sure. But right now, I know that every single person in this room is dealing with a situation where they need clarity. And we all need to learn to trust in that cloud. We got to get ourselves in a position where we want to be surrounded by that cloud, where we don't want to see, where we don't want to ignore the circumstances that line up to say A, B, or C. And instead, we just want to say, God, I have faith. I'm waiting for the door that you open. So this morning, can we all, can we pray together for clarity? If you've got a situation in your life that you're not sure, and guys, it can be a little thing. It can be as little as getting up and talking in front of 65 people for 25 minutes. I prayed for clarity. It can be a big thing. It can be a job thing. It can be a life thing. It can be education. It can be relationship. But this morning, let's just all come together and agree together and ask God to give us that clarity. Can we do that this morning? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what you've written in your word. God, I get so excited when I, when I open a scripture that is so old and then I turn to another scripture that's even older and I see the two just line up like, like you had this whole thing planned for me to talk about this morning and for nobody, nobody else's benefit Lord we all need clarity in our lives and Jesus we're so thankful that you came and that you lived but then when you left you sent the Holy Spirit to guide us to keep us safe to show us your direction so God this morning collectively we pray that we would not depend on the vision that we have when our eyes are open, but rather the vision that we have when our eyes are closed. Holy Spirit, that you would give us sight when our eyes are closed so that we can see that you are the cloud and that you are guiding us and you are leading us. And it's in your sweet son Jesus' name.